Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'm continuing now our series titled Wisdom for Happy, Successful Living. This is an esoteric study of selected parables of Jesus. This particular session concerns the parable of the mustard seed. And since this is a parable and a series in the study of parables, it is well that we review our definition. According to Reverend Ike, that eminent authority, a parable is... A two-story story, one story being obvious, or exoteric, E-X-O-T-E-R-I-C, the other story being esoteric, E-S-O-T-E-R-I-C, or within the story. And it's interesting, as we study the parables, to be alert to the fact that there is a story inside of the story. There is another story running parallel. And in studying parables, we are not to miss the story within the story, the parallel story, the comparison story. But I like my own definition of parable, a two-story story. I'd never heard it said that way before. And I think we see that this is happening in our study of the parables. Let us go right away into some more introductory comments about the interpretation of the Bible as a whole. Now, the Bible is really a two-story story. Some people get so hung up on the external Moses and Adam and Abraham and the external Jesus and never stop to think that every character in the Bible, every event in the Bible, everything in the Bible is a two-story story. Jesus is not just a historical figure. If that's the only story of Jesus that you know, the historical Jesus, then you don't know Jesus. As a matter of fact, I'll go so far as to say this. If the only Jesus you know is the Jesus of the theologians, you definitely don't know Jesus. There is the inner Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, meaning the consciousness of consciousness. Because the Son of God is the consciousness of consciousness, the awareness of awareness. God is awareness. I am God, the Bible says. I am, meaning formless awareness. And the awareness of that awareness is the Son of God. And Jesus, the person, the historical figure, is the realization and the demonstration of who and what every man is in God and what God is in every man. Jesus 
is the reflection of who you really are. And if you don't find yourself in Jesus and Jesus in yourself, then you've never found Jesus. Let us go now directly into the parable of the mustard seed, which is found in the gospel according to St. Matthew, the 13th chapter, the 31st through the 32nd verses. This parable is from the lips of the Master Jesus. Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a grain of mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs. And becometh a tree, so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. The parable of the mustard seed here belongs to that group of parables of Jesus referred to as the kingdom of heaven parables because it mentions the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven parables, we constantly hear Jesus saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like unto. And so let's first of all find the key, the meaning to the term kingdom of heaven as used in this parable and as used in the parable of the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven in this parable means the mind and its processes. The working of the mind of God in man. The working of the mind of God in man. I'm giving you this key so that you will know what to look for when you read and study the kingdom of heaven parables. You know, it's good to know what you're looking for, isn't it? When you know what you're looking for, you'll recognize it when you find it. If you don't know what you're looking for, then you may not recognize whatever you find. So, in all of the kingdom of heaven parables, look for the lesson, the inner lesson, the story within the story, which shows, which illustrates the mind and its processes. The working of the mind of God in man. So when Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like, or the kingdom of heaven is like unto, it really means the mind and its processes are like this. The working of the mind of God in man is like this. With that in mind, let us study with new insight the parables and in this session the parable of the mustard seed. In this parable, a grain of mustard seed symbolizes an infinite divine idea which appears to mortal sense to be of little or no account. It looks more like a speck. From its size, mortal sense would judge it to be of little or no account. But yet, the type of mustard seed that Jesus was talking about, that particular species, when that seed germinated and grew to maturity, 
It was a great big plan. What does this tell us? This tells us that a divine idea or an idea period is so many times discounted by mortal mind. So many good ideas have been discounted. Oh, that's no good. Oh, that'll never work. Oh, you can't do that. And many times people have missed great blessings because they themselves have discounted the divine ideas, the divine inspirations given to them within. Or they have been dissuaded from their divine ideas or their inspirations by others. I always talk about the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, who are the forerunners of the science of aerodynamics. It is because of them, to a great measure, that the giant airplanes fly through the skies at hundreds of miles an hour and even twice the speed of sound and more. The last time I went to London, I flew nonstop on the Concorde in three and one quarter hours. And it was interesting because the captain tells you when you reach the speed of sound. And he tells you when you reach twice the speed of sound. And we kept dipping over to more than twice the speed of sound. And there we were flying through the skies, eating silly mignon, deserting on strawberry shortcake. And just to think that all of this came from a silly idea of two young brothers in a bicycle shop in Ohio, Orville and Wilbur Wright, who looked out of the door of their bicycle shop and saw birds flying and got the idea, the silly idea, the crazy idea. Birds fly over the rainbow. Why then, oh, why can't I? And so they began to fashion some kind of flying contraption. Their first flight lasted less than a minute and didn't get up as high as the treetop. Their father was an eminent clergyman, a bishop. And when he learned that his boys had the stupid, silly, crazy, ungodly, quote-unquote, idea of manufacturing something that man could fly in, he said, quote, flying is reserved only for the angels. Man will never fly. It is blasphemy to think that man could fly, unquote. Oh, but do you see that seed of an idea that was planted deep into the consciousness of Orville and Wilbur Wright? They wouldn't even let the preacher stop them. And let me tell you, some of the worst idea killers are preachers. Happened to be his father, and may I say, some of the worst good idea killers are your relatives. That's why I have the habit of not telling people most of the time what I'm going to do. I go into my secret closet and shut the door and talk to God and listen while God talks to me. And then I tell the world what I'm doing or what I've already done. By the time the world finds out what I'm doing, it's all over but the shouting. 
In the parable of the mustard seed, the seed represents idea, good idea, divine idea. Any idea is a seed of some kind, good, bad, indifferent, negative, or positive. And whenever the Holy Spirit plants a good idea in your mind, one of the first things that you had better decide is whether or not you should tell anybody. And if so, who? With some ideas, maybe you should be like the preacher down in Atlanta, Georgia that sings, you don't know what the Lord told me. Be very careful because you see Herod always seeks to kill the Christ child. Here again, that's a story within the story that the theologians never understood. Herod attempting to kill the Christ child. It means the negatives in the world mind trying to kill out the God ideas, the good ideas. Herod represents doubt, negativity that attempts to kill out good, the young child, the young idea, God's fresh idea. So be careful how you expose your ideas and your good intentions. In a prayer service like this, it's a good place for you to come where you have prayerful support. And this is why we're getting so much action around here. Because we're all prayerfully supportive of everything that we're doing. This is one of the reasons we have to be careful about how we rattle our traps. Don't tell everything. Know when to tell what and who to tell it to. So Orville and Wilbur Wright didn't even listen to their daddy, the bishop, because the bishop said it was blasphemy to think that man should fly. But I've got news for you. Man should do everything that God does because God is in man. The master Jesus said it so plainly to his disciples are to the disciplined powers of his mind. The works that I do shall you do also and greater works. Think about that. Back to the mustard seed. A grain of mustard seed symbolizes an infinite divine idea which appears to mortal sense to be of little or no account. Go back of all of the great accomplishments of mankind and of any man and you will find that at one time that great accomplishment was a little old crazy idea as far as mortal sense is concerned. In the early days of this great nation, USA, immigrants came from parts of the world raggedy in the steerage of great ships with nothing but great ideas. And they came and founded great financial and industrial dynasties, which to this very day give employment and prosperity to millions. Every great person that you see, every great enterprise that you see, I want you to become sensitive to the fact that behind all of this greatness was a small idea like a mustard seed. One of the things that the parable of the mustard seed tells us is this. Don't discount the power of an idea. Do not underrate the power of an idea. Come to a greater respect for ideas. Come to a proper appreciation for naked ideas. People say to me so many times, Reverend Ike, what are you doing to help the poor people? Are the one that I love. What are you doing to help the black 
people. And I usually say the same thing that I'm doing to help people. I deal in ideas. And right away, they discount it. They undervalue it. Well, what is that? I said, I teach them mind science. I teach them self-motivation. Well, but what is that? Well, well, what are you doing? What are you giving to people? You see what I'm saying? They are discounting spiritual ideas, mental ideas. So-called poor people, so-called black people don't need anything different from so-called white people. Everybody needs the same thing. The only color that amounts to anything in the American economy is green, you see. But please, the mustard seed parable says to us, do not miss the value of an idea. Because to the material sense, an idea may be nothing. It may seem like nothing. But if that idea is planted, as the parable says, if that idea is taken and sowed in the field, if that idea is planted in a fertile mind, though it be the least of all seeds or small idea, when it is grown, it becomes great. Now, I'm going to give you some homework to work with yourself. Start catching every idea that comes to your mind. Set up a private and personal system for catching the ideas that come to your mind. I told you one of my systems. I have writing paper and pads on clipboards all over my offices and my residences and my rooms. Even in the bathroom, some of you don't know, but one thing to do when you sit on the throne. I have pins all around the throne. Why? To catch ideas. You had better learn how to use your pen and paper. It would surprise you to know how many millions of dollars worth of ideas that you have let just flip through your brain. Just flip through your mind, you have to establish an inviting attitude, an inviting process for good ideas, for prosperous ideas, and they will come to you more abundantly. But what did God say in the book of Genesis? My spirit will not always strive with man. Do you think God's going to keep bouncing ideas off of your head if you don't do anything with them? <laughs> Appreciate the possibilities of an idea. Appreciate the potentials of an idea. This is what the parable of the mustard seed is saying. Always carry pen and paper with you. Always. Never have it out of reach. I teach my personal aides to carry a little notebook. They are supposed to at all times, in and out of my presence, have paper and pen on them. Catch an idea. You have to learn how to play ball with God. God is always throwing you good ideas. And people sit around, well, I ain't got this, I can't this. How many great ideas, money-making ideas, grand ideas, ideas that would enrich you and all mankind, have you let just slip through your mind and just fly away? Reminds me of the tale my mother used to tell me when I was a kid about the man that was going through his house looking for his pipe. Said to his wife, oh, lady, you seen my pipe? She walked up to him and shook his pipe in his mouth and said, Old man, here is your pipe. He's going looking for his pipe and he's got it clenched between his teeth. You folks are going around here talking about your poor 
and you have a mind full of riches. Every one of you is a gold mine, a diamond mine. Every one of you. The Bible says that God has given to every man a measure of faith. And the Scripture says that if you just have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can move mountains with that. That's why I say it's a waste of time to pray for more faith. What are you doing with the faith that you've got? You have enough to remove mountains with already. What are you doing with it? How many mountains are you moving? The mountain you need to move with your faith is you. The mountain you need to move with your faith is your own behind. And until your faith moves you, it ain't going to move nothing else. Excuse my gross analogy, but I think you understand what I mean. From this moment on, I want you to have a new respect for ideas. Be more sensitive and responsive to ideas. Cultivate a new awareness of ideas opening in your mind. God is always trying to tell you something. You say you ain't got no money, can't hold you no money. God's always trying to show you. God's trying to show you money. God's trying to give you money. The Bible says in another place that God gives us richly all things to enjoy. God isn't holding anything back. You have just got to learn to be sensitive to the things that God is giving you. But as I say, too many people discount ideas. You talk about, well, so people say to me, well, what are you giving to people? What are you doing to help people? When I tell them ideas, ideas, you see that? Ideas. Now, you see, if I had a soup line round and around this building, then I'd be a good preacher. I'm not interested in being a black leader. I'm interested in being an idea leader, a mind leader, and teaching every man, each man, how to lead his own mind, how to use his own mind. You'd better learn to lead yourself. You'd better learn to lead your thoughts. As long as you look outside of yourself for leadership, you are in trouble. All right. You have great ideas that God is always sending to your mind. Become sensitive to those great ideas. For I repeat, a grain of mustard seed symbolizes an infinite divine idea which appears to mortal sense to be of little or no account. Yet, when a man establishes the crazy, insignificant I am God idea in his mind, it produces greatly and miraculously. God has chosen foolish things of the world to confound the wise because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. So even those far out good ideas that come to your mind, don't discount them. And you can tell sometimes when people are not handling ideas rightly, if you're the kind that just flies right off right away with some far idea, you always say, oh, I'm going to be so and so and so and so. You're not grounded. That's a good sign you're not grounded when you expose your far-out ideas too fast and to the wrong people. You don't run up and down the streets yelling, I am God. You don't run up and down 125th Street yelling, I am rich. You don't run up and down 145th Street yelling, I am money. I watch people sometimes when they think they get a little of this knowledge and they just take off the wrong way with it. And I, I'll tell you something. The things that I've been teaching you, this is esoteric science, inner science. In ancient days, this type of science was only taught to a few select people in secret schools. They didn't tell this to the general public. Why? 
because they realize the average person would just go way off his rocker with it, misuse it, abuse it, and abuse other folks with it. And the old mystics had a saying that I like, he who knows it tells it not. He who tells it knows it not. Now, you see, we get around in here and we say these crazy things in here. I am rich. I am success. I am prosperity. I am money. We say that in here. But you don't go out there on your job saying that. He who knows it tells it not. He who tells it knows it not. I think the last parable we dealt with treated on that idea somewhat. The parable of the soil. That there was that kind of mind that would grab a good idea real fast and get emotional and happy about it and would just go running fast with it and then would run into persecution and cool off in a hurry. <laughs> but you know, talking about persecution, many, many times people bring that on themselves. You're going to have enough problem in your own mind trying to get a new idea in your own mind. Don't go looking for it by trying to shove it on somebody else. It isn't even good sometimes to tell folks you've been to Reverend Ike's church. Just put your signs of living study guide under your jacket and come on. <laughs> I remember when I first started sending out and giving out the prayer clause in Boston, Massachusetts. A lady came to me and said, Reverend Ike, I came to you and got a prayer cloth to get my husband to stop drinking. And I put the prayer cloth under his mattress and he quit drinking, but he found the prayer cloth and went back to drinking. So I had to tell people, look, don't say anything. A lot of times, even the people you pray for, it is better to say nothing. Back to the mustard seed. When a seed is planted in the ground, in the soil, when an idea is planted in the mind, that seed should lie still undisturbed and unexposed. Is that correct? correct? When you plant that seed in the ground, when you plant that idea in your mind, what do you do? You cover it up. By the time the scribes and the Pharisees find out you've been over to see that Reverend Ike, your money tree will be producing. So cover those seeds, those divine ideas in the rich soil of your mind. Nurture them. Don't say anything to anybody but the Lord and those whom you are sure are supportive of you. And he shall bring forth his fruit in his seed. This main idea, this main mustard seed that seems insignificant to mortal sense that should be planted in the soil of the mind is the I am God idea. I am God and there is none else. Isaiah, the 46th chapter, the ninth verse. This means that awareness of being is the only power of being, doing, and having. Plant this understanding in the field of your mind and it will become whatever you believe. We're going to do some planting right now. Repeat after me from Isaiah, the 46th chapter, the ninth verse. I am God. And there is none else. Now, in our Ten Commandments series, you know that I am is awareness of being. And whatever you add to I am, you become. Plant this great idea. It's small. It seems insignificant to mortal sense. Mortal sense will not value this. Mortal sense will set this at naught. What's that Reverend Ike teaching? Oh, that mind science, that's nothing. 
Some people even think it's witchcraft. But I've got news for you. Every person who misuses his or her mind is a witch and is dealing in witchcraft. Because here again, there's only one power, and that is awareness, that is belief. And you can take that power of belief and use it on anything, and it'll work negatively or positively. If you believe you've got an enemy, you've got an enemy. Not because you have an enemy in fact, but because you have an enemy in your mind. Whatever you've got in your mind, you'll have it on your behind. Again, excuse the gross analogy, but I think that it is very explicit. Paul uses that term in one of the scriptures. Enemies in your mind by wicked works. There's only one power. I am. Awareness, consciousness, belief. I am. I am whatever you believe me to be. If you believe me to be an enemy, I'll be your enemy. <laughs> if you believe me to be your friend, I'll be your friend. If you believe me to be poverty, I'll be poverty. If you believe me to be money, I'll be money. I am that I am. I am whatever I believe myself to be. I am whatever I feel myself to be. I am whatever I say I am in my gut. I always felt that I should be rich. I don't know how many of you have got that feeling. I always felt that I should be rich. I always felt that I should be rolling in money. Deep down in my gut. And again, I used to do some silly things when I was a kid. I'd go around talking to my servants. And my cousins would see me, you know, and they'd laugh at me. But they took me half seriously. I must give my family and my cousins some credit. They didn't altogether write me off. Well, he's kind of strange, but what was that? The mustard seed. The idea, the small idea. I have a dear aunt, and every once in a while when she saw me, she would look at me and she would say to me, you are going to be rich. She'd look at me and say that. She said, you're going to be rich. And over the years when I'd see her, she'd say, she says, you're going to be rich. And one day after I had bought 20 Rolls Royces, she came into my dressing room at the Macon Coliseum. She sat down, she looked at me, and she said, I told you you were going to be rich. She discerned that seed, that little mustard seed, that idea within me. She picked up that vibration. And that was a wonderful blessing to me because so many times, you know, your relatives will tell you negative things. And sometimes even your mama will get mad with you. You ain't never going to be nothing. Your old daddy wasn't nothing. She will read your title clear. Mothers, I don't care how mad you are with your child's daddy. Give the kid a break. Don't kill the God seed, the good seed in the child because you're mad with his daddy. Say something good about him, even if he wasn't any good. I'm going to tell in my own way. I'll probably in some way butcher the story or icronize it. But in Dr. Seale's book on the parables, Learn to Live, he tells about a, a widow who had a late husband that never would work. And factually, he really never did any good for his family. And so he passed on. And after he passed on, whenever the lady would admonish the kids, she would say to the kids, All right, why did you do that? Why don't you do your best like your father did? And the family and the neighbors would hear her saying, Why don't you do your best? Why don't you do good like your daddy did? Finally, one of the relatives took her aside and said, Hey, listen. <laughs> says, Why in the world are you holding the kid's daddy up before them as a role model 
when you know that he never was any good. She said, well, the reason I'm doing that is because while he was alive, he wasn't any good. But now, since he is dead, I decided to put him to work to help me raise these kids. I thought that was pretty good, wasn't it? Couldn't get anything out of him while he was alive, so now that he's dead, at least he can't object. You see, facts are what you make them. She changed his image. So do not kill the good seed, the God seed in your children because of your little personal irritations and aggravations with the daddy or the mother or the mother-in-law. Plant it in your mind that awareness is God. What you add to I am, you become. And every good idea is a seed. It has been truly said anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God can count the apples in a seed. A seed is divinely automatic. An idea is divinely automatic. Now, this is very important, and I want you to really fix this in your minds. An idea is divinely automatic. It means that every idea has built into it the necessary mechanics for its expression. What you must do with that good idea is to plant it in the field of your mind and nurture it. When the farmer puts his seed in the soil, there is so much that he can do and the rest is certainly left to God. He cannot force that seed to germinate. This is why so many times if you're not careful, you will lose your demonstration of good because you plant the seed and you keep digging it up to see if it's germinating. Oh, Reverend Knight, will you pray for me for such and such and such and such? I see the mistake too many people come to me and other folks like me for a zap. I'm going out to the Reverend Knight so he'll zap me and I'll get healed. And you want to go on thinking the same way you've been thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, good health is a way of thinking. It is a way of life. And I'm going to leave it with the thinking because I want to stress it. Good health is a way of life. Good health is a way of thinking. Now, you remember that, you see. Now, many times people do get zapped. And a zap is good. But if you do not make good health a way of thinking, it's not going to go but so far. The Master Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Happiness is a way of thinking. Success is a way of thinking. Prosperity is a way of thinking. Money is a way of thinking. I have decided to teach. I would rather get 10 million people that really gets this teaching and this way of thinking and living down pat than to have a billion folks that just want a zap. Now, if all you want is a zap, there are a lot of preachers that will just give you a zap. But it is not enough to get zapped and not get taught. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. All of these years you've been under that sick thinking, that old and feeble thinking, that poverty thinking, that failure thinking. And you just want to come in and get a zap and go right on back out and live and think the same way you've been thinking all the time? No! You must be born again!
Or you cannot enter the kingdom of good. This is the kingdom. Don't you hear Jesus in the parable saying, The kingdom of heaven is light. You've got to enter the kingdom. And in order to enter the kingdom of good, the kingdom of health, the kingdom of happiness, the kingdom of success, the kingdom of prosperity, the kingdom of money, you must be born again. You've got to have a new mind. You must let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. You must be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need a mind job. And I'm looking for some folks who understand that and who are interested in that. If you want some good results and some lasting results in health, happiness, love, success, prosperity, and money, you have got to come to learn what the kingdom of heaven is like. You have got to learn the processes of your mind. People born in the church, before they can even talk or walk, they get taken to the church and sprinkled or whatever. And the last place they take their carcass after they leave their body is the church. And nobody ever teaches them how to use their mind. The kingdom of heaven is like to a grain of mustard seed which a man took and sowed in his field, which is the least of all seeds. But when it is grown, it is the greatest among herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and lodge in the branches thereof. An idea is divinely automatic. The knowledge that awareness is God is automatic because whatever you add unto I am, you become. You cannot and need not figure out how the seed will grow and produce. God's ways are past finding out. Plant your beautiful idea, your productive idea in the soil. Cover it up. Nurture it. And he shall bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doth shall prosper. You must choose the seed, the good idea that you wish to experience. You are to tell God what, but not how. The farmer tells God what he wants in terms of produce by doing what? Choosing his seed. If he wants tomatoes, he does not choose corn. Here's a question that you must cross-examine yourself with. Am I carefully, consciously, and deliberately choosing the ideas that I wish to express? And I want to be repetitious and redundant about this. Every farmer chooses his seed carefully. He decides exactly what he wants to plant in that soil. Is that right? And he prepares that soil. You must be just as conscious, just as careful, just as deliberate in your choice of ideas. What do I want? If I want money, I must plant money seed. If I want success, I must plant success seed. If I want prosperity, I must plant prosperity seed. If I want happiness, I must plant happiness seed. If I want love, I must plant love seed. If I want good health, I must plant good health seed. Reverend Ike, how do I do that? 
Oh, in so many different ways. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say what you want. Think what you want. Study what you want. Meditate. Pray. Every day. Get those study guides. Read them. Shut out ideas that you don't want. Put the newspaper in the trash can. Flip off the 11 o'clock news if they're not talking about what you want. After you choose the idea that you wish to express, you must nurture the idea. You must make your mind field receptive to the good seed, the God seed, and give it occasion to produce what you want. You must watch and keep the birds of the air, the negatives of the world mind, from devouring your good seed. Let's plant some seed. Let's work on this. This is another difference here. We have to work on these ideas. For again, the farmer doesn't just throw his seed in the ground and leave it. He watches, doesn't he? He chases away those birds of the air that would like to come and dig them up. I was reading a Christian magazine today which whose name I will not mention. And there was a picture from some Christian agency for feeding hungry children, which is a good idea. But there were pictures of the most emaciated-looking kids. I just tore it right out. Scrumpled it up and threw it in the trash basket. I know you will not understand that unless you understand mine, son. As long as people project pictures of hunger, you will create and produce more hunger. The very people that are trying to save the world from sin are more responsible for perpetuating sin than anything else. I didn't want that seed planted in my mind. All right, place your hands in a receptive position now and let's get to work. We are going to plant good seed, God seed, beautiful seed in our mind. We're going to use affirmation at this particular point for nurturing the good seed, the God seed in the soil of our mind. This is why we must study. This is why we must pray. This is why we must meditate. It nurtures good seed. It plants and nurtures good seed. It chases away the birds of the air, the buzzards of gloom. And you must do it every day. All right. You ready? All right. In your left hand, there are some seeds. I'm going to tell you what they are. Cut those Good seeds, those God seeds in your left hand now. Now, pick up the first one. I will tell you what seed that is. You know what seed that is? That is good health. That is the good seed, the God seed of total well-being. Look at it now and see it. Now, let's identify the other seeds and then we're going to plant them. The seed number two. Look at that. Isn't it small? Now, the world would think nothing of this. As a matter of fact, if they saw us right now, they'd haul us all off to the loony bin. <laughs> you see what the master was saying? <laughs> These are small and insignificant, you see. But when planted, becomes the greatest. Now, look at that small, insignificant seed. It's so small and insignificant that the physical eyes can't even see it. But we're looking now with the spiritual eye, with the eye of God. Now, 
This second seed is joy seed. Say that with me, joy seed. Happiness seed. The third one here now. Look at it. Do you know what that little seed is? Love seed. Isn't that wonderful? That's love seed. Fourth one here now. Look at that little fellow there. Now, that's success seed. God takes foolish things <laughs> to confound the wise. You should see how foolish we look here now. I don't know about you, but I see this seed. I feel this seed in my soul, in my mind, and even in my body, and even with my hands. It's real. This is God's seed. This is good seed. This is spirit seed. You know, the fifth seed. Look at that. That's prosperity seed. And one more little seed left right here in the palm of your hand. Look at it. It's right in the palm. Look at it. Sitting right there in the middle of your hand. Look at it there. Pick it up now between your, your thumb and your index finger there. Now. That is money seed. Now, I'm going to have you pour those seeds from one hand to the other as I shall show you. Now, don't lose it now. Cup both of your hands. Cup those seeds in your left hand. And uh, we're going to pour them into the right hand. Just let one at a time drop. And I'm going to identify them as, as, as they drop one by one into the cupped palm of your right hand. Repeat it after me. Good health seed. Happiness seed. Love seed. And there's the success seed. <laughs> and there's the prosperity seed. And there's my money seed. I recognize the divine potential in every one of these seeds. Each one of these seeds have the power and the reality to become great. And I see them bringing forth their fruit in their season. I now plant these seeds into my mind. I sow the good health seed deep into the rich soil of my mind. And I water it. And I nurture it. By declaring, I am good health. God in me is my good health. God in me is my total well-being. I plant this seed in my heart. This happiness seed. Deep, deep, deep in my heart. 
and I nurture it and water it by declaring the joy of the Lord is my strength. I plant this love seed in my heart by declaring God is love. I am love. I am loving and being loved in divine order. I plant this beautiful success seed in my heart. I am success. I plant this beautiful prosperity seed in my heart. I am prosperity. Now let me look at this beautiful money seed again. Ooh, I'm going to plant this deep in my heart. <laughs> and let it grow. Here it goes. Money seed. I am money. God in me is money. I am money. In every form. In every amount. That I need and want. And infinitely more. I see money trees. Just look how the money trees are growing. Growing, growing, growing. From this little money seed idea. Thank you, God, in me. So it is. It cannot be otherwise. And I rejoice because of it. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.